Hi everyone, and welcome to the Slug Club, where all things Harry Potter and mischief are managed. Thanks for joining us today, as we place one of the most controversial characters in the Potterverse out into the spotlight. Known for his cold, dark demeanor, and his constant clashes with Harry throughout his schooling, Severus Snape naturally has rubbed Potter fans the wrong way on several occasions. But as we follow him through the series, we see Snape transform into a much more complex character. As we learn more about his past, his internal drives, and true intentions, we start to see the greater picture that is created by all of these things at play, and get a better sense of the different pieces forming the overall puzzle that makes up the man, the legend, Severus Snape. But something that has divided Potter fans for years is where to exactly place Snape at the conclusion of his role in the series. Are his actions justified at the end of the Second Wizarding War? Do his contributions leading to the fall of he who should not be named redeem him in the eyes of fans? Today, the Slug Club gathers together to weigh in on where exactly Snape falls in our own eyes. I'm Justin, self-appointed head of house of Hufflepuff. Also joining the Slug Club today is a frequent Ravenclaw guest. She's off the grid! You won't be able to find her because she's a master of charms and thusly perfecter of the Cave Inimicum spell, Abby. Hey everyone. Cave Inimicum, of course, being a spell frequently casted by Hermione Granger while hunting horcruxes. Agreeing to stay awake only while her vial of sleeping drought finishes brewing. Today's Slytherin rep, Lizzie. Go Slytherin. And as always, we also have joining us my brother Rob, who's never read the books. Oh man, I was so disappointed now. You had such fire intros for everybody else, and then it comes to me and it's like, eh, there's Rob. <laughs> I feel like, you ever seen in Mean Girls, where uh, they're giving out, Damien's giving out all the grams, and he's like, four for Glen Coco, you go Glen Coco. Let's see here, and none for Gretchen Wieners. <laughs> <laughs> Did you just Wieners me? I feel totally wienered. Weird. Well, Liz, make sure you have that sleeping drought on low brew, because this is going to be a big topic to discuss. As a Slytherin and as a former head of house, I don't know that I feel as passionately about others on this topic, but I definitely have something to say. I think what our Slytherin friend is alluding to is that this topic is one that has come up on more than one occasion in our past conversations. And it seems like there is more of a mixed view among our ranks on how we see and interpret Snape's character. But Rob, you're one of the members of our team that leans very strongly on this take. So we're going to let you kick us off today. Is there redemption for Snape at the end of the series? Where do you stand on the Snape debate? Well, gladly, I'll take things from here. I've been heated up about this topic for months now. And now is the time where we settle once and for all that Severus Snape is a great man. Debatable. Not the greatest of men, but a great man nonetheless. I want to start off by painting you guys a picture. A young boy who is often forced to wear clothes that are too big for him and don't fit over his scrangly body. His muggle caretaker is often belittling and even abusive to him. And his black hair is unkept and dirty at times. Who did you just picture? Was it Harry Potter? 
Was it the chosen one? We're talking about Severus Snape. A young boy growing up in a poor neighborhood, stricken with poverty, lower class area known as Spinner's End in the area of Cokeworth, where he would meet the love of his life. Now we see we see Severus Snape here. And I want to paint a picture of a man who rose above his his terrible and abusive upbringing that shaped him as a young man. Going to Hogwarts, where he is immediately ridiculed by a gang of brutal boys <laughs> who all who all call themselves the Marauders. Not the most pleasant of things. And by marauder, you mean uh, almost like Viking marauders. Who are they marauding? They're marauding poor Snivelly, who they call him. In fact, if you look up at the uh, the wiki fandom page for Severus Snape, it says in his aliases for Severus Snape, also known as the Half-Blood Prince, also known as Snivellus or Snivelly, and it says by marauders. I gotta stop when he you was... at first. Didn't you say that his mother was a muggle? Because I'm pretty sure she. No, was... I said his. I said his. I said his uh, caretaker. Oh, okay, okay. I was, I was like, trying. Yeah. Now you're like... trying to poke holes in it, in it, Abby, and I don't like that. <laughs> you're poking holes already, and I haven't even started. All right, continue. My bad. Tell you, I already know where Abby's sitting on this one. <laughs> just waiting on the edge of her seat, like. Ah, no, oh, no, I'm just out here. I. Here I thought we were just going to sit over here and have an unbiased conversation. And as a Gryffindor, and somebody who, you know, admires a lot of Gryffindors, particularly Remus Lupin, who was part of the Marauders, it is a little bit hard for me to have admiration for somebody from Slytherin House. There's just that natural animosity. But then I look at the story of Severus Snape, who is known by a different nickname, by his best friend, Lily Evans, who called him Sev, which, by the way, may be the coolest name ever. Yeah. You think walking around and your name is Sev, you'd be the hottest stuff Hogwarts has ever seen since Dumbledore started being the charms professor when he was Jude Law. You know, remember how great he was when he was Jude Law? (laughs) He was a snack. (laughs) I'm not talking about I'm not talking about uh, I'm not talking about Richard Harris. Dumbledore. I'm talking about when he was Jude Law, when he was that young, young, attractive squeak. He did not age well. He did not. It wasn't even 80 years. It was like 60 years. He went from being like 30 to 170. Well, no, unable to clap at close. the own sorting ceremony. When does Fantastic Beasts happen? Isn't it like the late 1800s? I thought it was. I thought it was the uh, like 1910s. Yeah, that's what I thought because it's like the Industrial Revolution happened. Oh, 1910s, and then the it's like uh, jumped to 1990. Uh, it's pretty rough. Pretty rough for old Dumbledore. But we're not talking about Dumbledore. We're talking about Severus Snape. Severus Snape, who rises above a poor upgrade, uh, upbringing, a poor um, and abusive family situation. Yep. To become one of the greatest wizards of his time. Not only was he one of the greatest wizards of his time, we're talking about a man who invented dozens of spells, including the counter curses to several of his curses. And I know we all know, like, the obvious one, Sectumsempra from the the Half-Blood Prince, that Harry learns from looking at Snape's potions book. But we've also got Levicorpus, which is a spell 
scene in the movie, because, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't read the book, but in the Order of the Phoenix, <laughs> what are these guys practicing when they're training for Dumbledore's army? We see a Luna Lovegood going Levicorpus. That's true. That's Snape's spell. Snape also produced the counter curse Liberacorpus to free yourself from being hung upside down. And this was this was made out of necessity. Why? Because people took his own spell, used it against him. And by people, I mean those marauders. Oh, that's right. In the pensive, we see yep. Severus Snape lifted up and hung upside down. Yep. Brutally. Not only that, but we are left with the very strong impression that his trousers were pulled down. And the poor boy had some brown spots. The boy had some racing stripes. Probably some holes. Probably had some hot streaks. And we got to think, that was the darkest memory for Severus Snape. But he rose above it, becoming a Hogwarts professor at age 21. 21 years old, became the potion master, became head of Slytherin House. Basically never left. (laughs) Also was a valued asset in the taking down of the Dark Lord, not just in the first Wizarding War, but also in the second. How many people can say that? That they were instrumental in taking down the Dark Lord, not once, but twice. Was he instrumental in taking down the Dark Lord the first time, though? Absolutely. He like went over to, to Dumbledore and was like, oh, don't hurt me. I mean, but the only reason he did that is because Voldemort was showing interest in murdering the woman that he was hung up on that did not have interest hey don't don't say don't say true love (laughs) is just being hung up on because we know what it takes for a person's patronus to change abby and it is only true love the truest of loves but the truest love that there is changing your patronus not just and it's a reflection of somebody having a changed heart by the love that they've encountered so right. let's not trivialize Severus Snape's undying love and devotion to Lily Evans Potter. But I'm just saying, that is the only reason he even considered switching overs. Because it's when, in typical fashion for a lot of people, not all, but for people that can't see empathy for others until it affects them. And suddenly, uh, mm. they care about Oh my gosh, my Abby. Mm. Abby, you've... You've you've popped a hole in my entire argument, and now I don't think I guess I'm convinced. I guess I'm convinced Severus <laughs> Snape is not a great guy. Psych! I wouldn't nope. expect to change your mind. You say that the only reason why Severus Snape turned against the Dark Lord at the end of the first Wizarding War was because he was trying to save Lily Evans. Now, here's why that's not the case. Let's look a little bit outside of the realm of the original seven Harry Potter books, shall we? Let's look at The Cursed Child, which is, you know, not the best screenplay. I think we've all agreed on that. And after listening to Abby's 45-minute breakdown of how the Whomping Willow was involved (laughs) in The Cursed Child, I lost all all interest in reading the book in, in general. And not just that book, but every other Harry Potter book, but... When we look at the Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, what happens when they come to Severus Snape and say, we need help fixing things in the timeline? We come from a time where the Dark Lord has been destroyed. Harry Potter is victorious. 
And Snape is like, well, what is it that happened that led to the demise of the Dark Lord? And they said, Severus, you die. And once again, choosing self-sacrifice, Severus Snape laid his life down for the greater good of all humanity, not just wizarding kind, but also for muggle kinds. And I know Severus Snape gets a lot from his upbringing. We have to remember Severus Snape may have had some prejudices against muggles, but that's because he was raised by an abusive one. But now we see Severus Snape has a change of heart, even after he called Lily Evans a mudblood in his worst moment, his worst memory, his his greatest shame. Mm -hmm. Called her called her a mudblood, not because necessary. I would even argue not necessarily because he felt like that was the hatred in his heart but because he had just been so utterly humiliated. He was vulnerable. By the marauders. Not just vulnerable, but also, listen, when you've got these guys from Gryffindor tormenting you, he clung to the only people who who were there for him in any kind of way. And unfortunately, the people who surrounded themselves around Severus Snape would be later Death Eaters, people like Lucius Malfoy, Rodolphus uh, Lestrange, and Severus Snape wanting to kind of not look weak as he had just been in this vulnerable position, being hit up with that live corpus, doesn't have his wand to even defend himself. And it's in that moment where he's he looks back and you can almost picture Lucius Malfoy with his golden locks looking onward and like almost like, what are you going to do, Sev? Are you going to let this this Lily Evans speak for you and defend you? And it's in that moment to to appease his friends or maybe even just to try to not look weak and humiliated that he refers to using a slur to talk down Lily Evans. But then later on in the series, we see at uh, at Grimold Place, there is a picture of Phineas Nigellus, former headmaster of Hogwarts, also racist white person. <laughs> Why? What did he do? Because what does he do when he sees Hermione Granger? He calls her a mudblood. No. And who comes to Hermione's defense? It's not Ron. It's not Harry. It's Severus Snape. And Severus Snape says, do not use that word. Yeah, that's true. That did happen. Change of heart. I, I change of mind. But does a change I of heart mean that you are a good or great man? All right, I think we can no. all agree Severus Snape is a great man. Now, the no. argue is the argument goes from being a great man to a good man. No. All right, Lizzie, let's hear it. Let's hear it. I'll sit back. So, I can't stand it anymore. I'm joking. Let's talk about philosophical point of view. What makes someone good? What is inherently good? What is intrinsically good? You think about what is a good person. Look back on the people in your life. Let's all take a moment. Close our eyes. Um, think about all the good people in your life. So feel like I'm on a yoga channel. I know. Um, you know, when I think of good people, I think of, you know, little old grannies making you some some muffins. You know what? My neighbor across the street brought me cranberry walnut bread and said, welcome to the neighborhood. That is a good person. Now, let me paint you a different picture. A young boy told to think of his greatest fear 
for his entire class to see out of a closet mm. walks Severus Snape. Mm. And when that sound, does that sound to you like a good person? My answer is no. Oh, Lizzie, Never I can't believe it. How was I ever going to be prepared for the most common argument against Severus Snape on Reddit and Facebook? Okay. I've thought about this. I've got some hot takes. Well, first of on. all, hold on. Okay. Hold all right. on. Snape. Keep feeding into my hand. Universally disliked by all students. Does that sound not true? Like Draco true? loved him. <laughs> Maybe even like a second father. By all people who were not Slytherin. Universally disliked by people like, oh, who was it who named a child something? It was their second son. Uh, it was like Albus. And we all uh, agree that is the world's worst name for a child. Like, yeah, yeah, Albus agreed. <laughs> Furthermore, Snape goes out of his way to be mean to others. Ten points from Gryffindor for being insufferable know-it-all. Is that something that a good person would do or a bad person would do? Taking somebody's books away from, because they were outside of school grounds when they were in a common area and saying ten points from Gryffindor because they were not in the library. Does that sound like a good professor or a bad professor to you? Sounds like he's following the rules. Sounds to me like Snape is a meanie face and not a good person. Now, yes, he did help bring down the Dark Lord. He did warn Albus, or he did warn Dumbledore about Voldemort's intentions on killing the Potter family. Multiple but times. Was this him being a good person, or is it him trying to cover up his tracks and redeem himself? I think the latter. And therefore, he's tied for zero. He had negative 10 points for being a bad guy. Then he had all these 10 points later for being a good guy. It makes him a zero, which does not make you good. It makes you mediocre at best. The end. We're talking about mediocre here. Let's talk about a young man named Neville Longbottom, shall we? 13-year-old Neville Longbottom. As we can agree, a big weenie. 13 year old Neville Longbottom he was, was just, a weenie. Okay. He was just loved by and his under, grandma. And understandably so, because he was raised by a 79 year old woman. But man, if he, if the cards had not been played so horribly, not in his favor, I think he could have had a way different personality. His parents. Oh, really? Wait, 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 wait. What was that again, Abby? Say that one more time. He could have had a different personality. But if what? Had, if what, Abby? If his, I don't know, if things went differently. <laughs> oh, but, if things went differently in his childhood? Yes. and that's Then he would I have been better? Snape. I do feel bad for Snape. I think that he had a very unfortunate childhood. And I don't dislike Snape. You know, he has redeemable factors. But did he act out of his own self-interest? And that's the only reason he did the good thing? Yeah, probably. Yes. No, I do not think that the only reason he laid down his own life he twice. Changed. He changed later, but that's twice. the only reason that he changed at all was because it was in his best interest. And he was still kind of a bit of a rat as an adult because he was feeling a little spiteful, which, you know, yeah. 
We all hold grudges sometimes. I want to get back to Neville Longbottom. Go I want ahead. to talk about Neville Longbottom because a lot of people who hate Severus especially point out Snape's treatment towards Neville Longbottom. And we've talked about Severus Snape's undying love to Lily Evans. And we've also kind of alluded in several episodes, Neville Longbottom potentially could have been the chosen one. In fact, I'm in the camp that believes that it was the actions of Lord Voldemort that solidified Harry Potter becoming the chosen one instead of Neville Longbottom. Could have been either or. Could have been. And Snape, I think, knew this. Why? Because Snape knew the prophecy. He knew that Alice Longbottom was having a child at the end of July. And why does Severus Snape have such a disdain for Neville Longbottom? Because it should have been him. It should have and could have. It should have been you. And that way, Lily would have still been alive. Did anybody else just get goosebumps? Yeah, but I mean, it doesn't excuse his behavior, does it? It does not excuse his behavior, but I think that it sheds some light because a lot of times people will just say that Severus Snape is just arbitrarily lashing out at students. But there was a specific, almost a nastiness towards Neville particularly. And know what's interesting? Neville Longbottom winds up acing his owl exam in potions. Are you saying fear is the best teacher? Fear is not necessarily the best teacher, no. (laughs) No, but I think it would be ridiculous to say that Neville learned nothing. I think Neville was very bad under pressure, and Snape definitely put the pressure on Neville constantly, every single day in class. Maybe he recognized the potential in Neville and demanded more. Neville, who would go on to become the herbology professor at Hogwarts, herbology and potion cousin classes, very closely linked. I'm sure Professor Sprout and Severus Snape had a had a wonderful relationship. I feel like, I don't know, yeah, he definitely probably could have looked at Neville and thought, like, you know, it could have been you. But and let's talk again, about bettering students. Own, but in his own self-interest, because Albus Dumbledore even says, well, it could be Neville or it could be, like, you know, Alice Longbottom's child or it could be Lily Evans' child. And he's like, yeah, but Voldemort thinks that it's, you know, Lily Evans. And so, you know, we should protect them. He, he, he did not encourage Dumbledore to protect Neville's parents, too. He, I'm sure Voldemort was probably going to deal with both sets of families. I mean, yeah. Like, I just, he just went to Harry first. Potentially. That's just conjecture. But I think that he did go for the one that he thought was, was the chosen one first. Yeah. Like, if you think that Neville is the chosen one, why would he go to Harry's first? Yeah, it, I mean, it you know what like, I mean? I mean? You gotta go to somebody first. So, yeah, like, so you go to the one that you think it is first. And then if you're like, well, I'll tie up some loose ends just to be safe, I'll go over to uh, Neville Longbottoms. But they could have. I'll go like, see Frank and Alice. But they could have at least tried to hide Frank and Alice too, right? Like the only reason he found the Potters is no. because he got ratted out by the rat himself. That rat, Cho Chang! <laughs> Different rat. Different. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh, oh, the literal rat. Okay, yeah. Peter Pettigrew, yes. So, Scabbers. The only reason he found him is because Peter Pettigrew ratted him out. So we're talking about how many years of character development. And here's what I love about Snape as a character is that he is an accurate reflection of many people. That people do not always act selflessly and people do not always act selfishly. Mm. Snape acts at in his own best interest at times, yes. 
But when the chips were down, when it was necessary, Snape always chose to be selfless. And we're talking, we're, we're criticizing him for turning over to the Dark Lord only because of his interest in Lily Evans and his love for her. Agreed. Agreed. Those were reasons that were in his best interest. But here, let me ask a question. I'm a married person. If my if I had a choice between my true love and somebody else going down, and I could choose to protect one, I'm sorry, that other person's going down. Even if it's her spouse. <laughs> Even Wait, if what? it's her child. <laughs> Even if it's me, I'm choosing her. It's true. Voldemort was actually just going to leave uh, Lily Evans alive. Snape begged for her behalf. He was just going to kill Harry and, um, Harry and James. James, stood in the way, James. So he killed him. And he was going to leave Lily, but she wouldn't move. And he got annoyed, so he killed her. That's right. But that, that act of love, an act of self, uh, selfless love, which is something that we admire about Lily Evans, even though we know pretty much nothing about her. All we know from the beginning of the story is that, one, that she did not die in a car crash. She was killed by the Dark Lord, but then the next information we learn is that she sacrificed herself for Harry. Sacrificing yourself. And we see that as such an admirable quality. And then we glaze over it so quickly when Severus Snape lays his own life down. Blaze over it. Why? Because we have this uh, this bitterness from seeing him mistreat his students. And here's the thing. We're looking at different culture. We're talking about private English school. Now, I don't know about you, but I've read uh, I've read C.S. Lewis's autobiography, uh, Surprised by Joy, where he talks about his experience at a private boys school. I mean, granted, this is about, you know, 70 years before the time of Harry Potter, but it was not good. It was a not good. We're talking about abuse. The level. I mean, I think that we need to reevaluate British schools. I think that's what we need to do here. <laughs> Severus Snape might just be a product of the school system. <laughs> or Argus Filch was still talking about a time where he remembered where kids were being hung by their thumbs. Yeah, he does. He does long for those days. And how he missed the screams. All right, let's talk about if we're going to cancel any of the staff of Hogwarts. Let's look at Argus Filch for a second. One, first of all, not magic. Second of all, creepy relationship with his cat. And then third, also just a creeper in general. But if we're talking about bettering students, bettering the children who come in under, uh, under Severus Snape. Now, Snape was teaching the potions class, and obviously he's a tyrant in class. He puts on the pressure. He often speaks the truth about his students because, let's say it, Hermione Granger, insufferable know-it-all. Neville Longbottom, big weenie. Keeps screwing up under pressure every single time. To the point where Snape is like, all right, here's the pressure situation. Because I feel like Snape's got to teach Neville Longbottom, your 13-year-old, can people count on you when things matter? Can people count on you, Neville? And he says to him, Hey, we're making a shrinking potion today. And at the end of class, I'm going to give two drops of it to your toad, Trevor. Could you save your friend's <laughs> life if it depend if he depended on you? It almost sounds like Snape was preparing his own pig for slaughter. Oh, it sounds oh. like Neville Longbottom, who was able, when the chips were down, to save his friends by killing the last Horcrux, Nagini the Snake, with the sword of Godric Gryffindor, preparing him for the moment where Neville finally was a wizard worthy of holding the sword, he might have some thanks to give to Severus Snape. 
because what happens in the crucible? Let's talk about purifying some silver in the crucible. The crucible is uncomfortable. It's hot. But what happens? The impurities come out, and what's left is stronger and more valuable, more precious. Thank you, Severus Snape. Oh, and also, <laughs> talked about bettering students. Because not only did Neville do well on his owls for potion making, but let's look at the Half-Blood Prince. When Severus Snape is not teaching the potions class, what happens? Slughorn becomes the potions master, and everybody suddenly does not understand how potions work. And why is that? Because the people were trying to read the formulas that were in the advanced potion makings textbook, and they just were not getting it. Even Hermione Granger, the star pupil of their year, couldn't figure out how to make that draught of living death. And why is this? Because Slughorn was using the textbook, but whenever the classes were making potions in the past, Snape would write down the ingredients and instructions on the board. On the board. Why? Because his things were better. He was giving his information, sharing his knowledge with the next generation. Is that selfish? No. Because if you're acting, if you're a person who only acts in your best interest, you hoard all the information and power that you can get. What does Snape do? He shares it freely. I don't think that there's any question that Snape does do good things throughout the series. You know, one of the things that comes to my mind when I think of Snape, it's not necessarily a bad guy. It's not necessarily a good guy. But the word that really comes to my mind is tragic. Yeah. Yep. Tragic is really the word that, that really sticks out to me. We see it throughout the series, him doing good things, both on the main stage and behind the scenes, right? Does that bring him to redemption in the end? I'm not so sure, but this is one of the reasons why he's the most polarizing figure, in my opinion, in the Harry Potter universe in regards to at least how fans view him because of the complexity of his character. We see him throughout the series being like a recurring red herring where for most appearances, Snape can be found repeatedly ridiculing or humiliating students in and mm -hmm. out of his classroom. Sure. So much so, though, that he earns himself a reputation about Hogwarts as this hardened, cold teacher who hates all of his students. At other moments, though, Snape finds himself at odds with Harry at key moments in nearly every book. And in the rare... Rare instance isn't fulfilling one of these two roles. Sure, he's stopping Quirrell from entering the Chamber of Secrets. He halts the curse that's going through Dumbledore. He checks in on Sirius, his arch enemy, to make sure he's okay. He, he tries his best curse. to protect Draco. He, he uses, uses counter curses. He saves Lupin and George in the Battle of the Seven Potters. He, he exposes that Gilderoy Lockhart is a terrible teacher who doesn't know nothing. He gives Umbridge fake Veritas serum and That's later right. fervently searches for Harry in the forest Tell after him. he's gone over to the Ministry of Magic. He's guarding Harry instinctively from Lupin the werewolf. Mm -hmm. He stops Harry from being tortured by the Cruciatus curse and overall dedicates his whole life to protecting Harry, the son of the only person he's ever really loved. And also the son of the person he hated the most. But does any of that justify Harry naming his son after him? Does any of that lend to him being a good person? I don't know. We've already talked about it, but I'm going to bring it back up. Let's ask Neville Longbottom. That's who right. Is 
constantly picked on by Snape. Oh, wait, wait, no. No, no, no. <laughs> we just talked Snape about this. Snape no. to kill Trevor, genuinely pissed when his potion doesn't do the job of killing Trevor. And then, of course, we've already talked about how Snape does end up being Neville's ultimate fear reflected through the Bogart, which, of course, is not Bellatrix Lestrange, oddly enough, the witch who sent his parents to St. Mungo's for all eternity. She didn't exist yet. Guarantee you she did not even exist in uh, J.K. Rowling's mind. <laughs> Probably not the way she that did J. not K. even exist. <laughs> I tell you, the way that J.K. Rowling wrote the books and crafted the story, and I get it. You make one book and you're like, oh, this is, uh, we'll see how it goes. And then everybody loves it. It turns into a huge sensation. And you're like, oh, gosh, where does this end? I don't know. Aren't we halfway through? It's book four. Also, by the way, there's a wizard cup. <laughs> When are we introduced to St. Mungo's where Neville goes and visits his parents? Book five. Oh, uh, the book five. five? Yeah. Uh, two books after. Now, in, in, in defense of J.K. Rowling, we do know that Neville is raised by his grandmother from the very beginning. But it is not clear why. Nobody knows why Neville is being raised by his grandmother. Correct me if I'm wrong, because I, I haven't read so. the books. It's not really stated, but I don't think it was necessarily a secret that Bellatrix tortured like Neville's parents, but they might have assumed that they just died and they weren't just in the loony bin, right? Well, like, here's the here's the thing, though. We don't see that they're in St. Mungo's until book five. Right, because Harry was visiting with the Weasleys to visit. And that's Arthur when we find out that Arthur. Bellatrix Lestrange was the one who did it. Mm-hmm. That's when they find out. So that's- I'm saying Bellatrix Lestrange wasn't even a thought. When uh, J.K. Rowling is like, who is the greatest fear that Neville Longbottom has? Why? Because mm. Neville Longbottom wasn't a very fleshed out character at this point. At this point, he's just the weenie kid who stood up to them at the end of the first book. Failed, by the way. And then you see him in the second book, and he's still the the weenie kid, and he really doesn't contribute much in the second book. Just barely higher on the pedestal above Colin McCreevy. <laughs> Colin McCreevy, also Seamus Finnegan, whose entire character arc is just him blowing things up. First in his face until finally he blows things up in other people's faces. <laughs> that's that's Seamus Finnegan's entire character arc. No, he got really upset with Harry then book I think, six. I think that Neville Longbottom owes a huge thanks to Severus Snape for his glow up from weenie to dreamy. The greatest glow up in the Powderverse ever, Neville Longbottom. But Neville is not the only person that has been dished out these years of torment and abuse. We also look to Harry, which would have a bit more compassion for someone whose early years mirrored so closely. And Rob, you pointed this out to his. Mm -hmm. Both Snape and Harry grow up with absent parents, absent caregivers, um, grew up in basically rags, both longing for that. Severus Severus did grow up with his parents. Well, yeah, but they were absent, right? So, like, abuse his father. His father was was neglectful and cold. But I don't. And it doesn't speak of. I mean, I throw the word abuse around because I'm crafting a narrative to suit my own my own uh, plans here. But there's no signs of like specifically physical abuse, although it could be implied. It could be inferred reasonably with his disdain for his father from a very young age. It wasn't a happy childhood. No. That's for sure. 
but I don't think that this negates the years of torment and abuse. Because even when Dumbledore asks him if he's grown feelings for the boy, it's all a farce. Mm. Why? Expecto Patronum. What do we see as Snape's Patronus? Not, Not Harry Potter's, but the doe. Lily's doe. And this shows that all of these instances where we're expected to think that Snape loved Harry all along. That Snape's moral values have turned over. They're all full of gillyweed. Gillyweed! Because Snape is a selfish, narcissistic man. And that's coming from a narcissistic man. It's like Gadar. We can tell. <laughs> we can tell. <laughs> we can tell. I can tell. I just look at him like, yep, yep, he's all about himself. He's right, we can. <laughs> Jay, that's that's not the kind of ist you want to be. <laughs> like, yeah, I just gotta be, be open, you know? You don't want to Even if you were a racist, it'd be like, yeah, but he cares about family over himself. <laughs> you know, the first step to recovery is acknowledging you have a problem. But everything goes back to his fixation on Lily, and it is that that drives his every move. Abby, I'm with you on this. This is a man who associated himself with goons, right? Who practiced dark yep. magic on unsuspecting, innocent people who likely went into being followers of Voldemort or within the inner circle, also known as the Death Eaters. Mm. A group that, let's not forget, is a supremacist group, of course, set up we'll to say, exterminate muggles. Wait, let's be fair. Let's be fair. This was the only group that accepted Severus Snape. But when confronted, is he apologetic? Ah, a new. Instead, what's he concerned about? Undermining James, because he's a selfish man, making him a neutral character. Let's talk about a man who died at a young age of 38. Oh, only lived from man, only like lived from 1960 to 1998. I mean, I'm trying to think of who it is. He looked like 55, but and yes. Justin, I hear what you're saying. Thank God that Alan Rickman is not here to hear this. <laughs> Who did a great job of portraying Snape. And I will say, perfect cast. That really this was. dirty talk about Severus Snape is blasphemy against Alan Rickman. Rest in peace. Rest in peace, Alan Rickman. Always. I do think that the movies are set to portray him as more redeemable. But I've also heard that the books... It, it, there's a little bit of a contrast from like people who have read the books and then people who have watched the movies. I mean, I remember the first time I read the Deathly Hallows. I uh, um, I reread that whole chapter of like you know the Pensieve when he is seeing like Snape's memories because I was just trying to like absorb everything. And you know, it's like it definitely it made me reconsider like the whole like mindset I had of Snape leading up to that moment because you really get to see like this other person right like he's always been protected Harry when Quirrell was like trying to put a curse on him during Quidditch he was always one of the first ones there whenever there was like trouble the troll in the dungeon he went running when he was trying to find Harry in the woods like he was always like he was very reliable and he's a very powerful wizard he's very smart 
and it's just you know you know this but you also know that he's kind of horrible to most of his students and so it's like i for a little bit after reading it i felt as passionately about snape as what rob is portraying right now but then i was thinking about it and i was like i just feel that it was very much in his best interest and how he went about things and you know we're all human we all do that what do you mean it's in his best interest to die well so it was in his best interest to try and protect the person he loved right like he's gonna that's why he did that well i would say it's in that person's best interest well, so obviously Lily wasn't going to complain that someone was going to try and save her life. But, like, he only switched over because of that. Now, I'm, I'm not, not saying... just talking about Lily. I'm talking about Harry. Well. When Snape dies, when Snape dies and, and willingly puts himself in harm's way constantly, multiple times in every single book. We're talking about character. I just said that Neville Longbottom wasn't a very deeply fleshed out character at first. But we look at Snape and Snape's so intrinsic to the entire story. Yep. Because you know who's them. you know who's not so intrinsic to the story? Professor Sprout. Flitwick. Professor Flitwick. Also heads of houses. But we're 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 given this opportunity from the very beginning. How is Snape introduced as the opposite of what Harry has experienced so far in the wizarding world? Whereas when from the moment Harry be- finds out that he is a wizard, he is celebrated. He's told that he is the greatest thing that's ever happened to wizard kind. And then what happens when he walks into potions class? Knocks down a peg. Well, well, well. Isn't our newest celebrity, Mr. Potter? And Severus Snape drops some truth down. Because Harry, 11-year-old Harry, has been puffed up here. And he's he's being told he's the chosen one. He's the one who defeated you-know-who, a celebrity. And Harry is quizzed by Professor Snape, given three questions. And and Harry doesn't know the single uh, answer to any of them. To be fair, no one did except Hermione. Hermione knew them. And you know what the point was? The point that Snape's making is, I know. So you better listen up. Even though you think that you're the chosen one and you're the most important person in this room right now, you don't know Jack. Severus Snape, as cruel as he was, can we look at any of his remarks to his students and say that there wasn't truth to it when he talks about Harry? And I gotta say, Snape is right about Harry. On the money. Calls him lazy, arrogant, seems to revel in his fame. Yep. Right about it. Right about Hermione. Insufferable know-it-all, which we yeah. can probably say. I mean, I, I think Harry and Ron appreciate it because Hermione was helping them with all of their homework. But you can imagine the rest of the class sitting there every time Hermione raised her hand for every single question. I've Even when there classes. isn't a question. We've all been in those class, classes with those people. Yep. Oh, yeah. I always appreciated those kids because then the teacher wasn't going to call on me and I could go back <laughs> to doodling. It's like, you know, they got someone to entertain them. So I can go And back. so Snape ignores her in one in one account, especially in, uh, well, this is the Prisoner of Azkaban, when Snape is filling in for Lupin's class. Mm. He asks a question about who can tell the difference between an animagus and a werewolf. And Hermione, of course, is practically Please, launching herself out of her seat reaching for the sky, trying to catch the floating candles in the ceiling above her. 
And Snape is doing the teacher thing. And I know as a teacher, when you've got that one student, you're just like, come on, let's give somebody else a freaking chance, Hermione. You know, for a fact, no one. And he's like, nobody. How disappointing. And you know why he says how disappointing? Not because he's disappointed that nobody knows. He's disappointed because now he has to listen to Hermione give the answer again. <laughs> Another freaking time. And she's Ten like, Lisa, Lisa, can you imagine anything more annoying as a teacher? And you're one of the most brilliant minds of your age. And granted, Hermione Granger is the best student in her year. Best student in her year. But she does not compare to the greatness of Severus Snape as far as... Because you know what? How many spells did Hermione create when she was in school? A none. Zero. You know why? Because Hermione Granger was exactly what Professor Trelawney said. That inside she is just... Her soul is dry as the books to which she so desperately cleaves. Hermione Granger is a follower and could not have a unique individual thought in her stupid head. And that's how she wound up as Minister of Magic. That's, that's right. Because you know what? Pills. You know who else was a great Minister of Magic? Cornelius Fudge. So what? let's not say being Minister of Magic makes you awesome. Okay, granted, Kingsley Shacklebolt, one of the greatest Ministers of Magic of all time. True. Well deserved. But Hermione Granger was not a producer. She was not innovative. In fact, she was just annoying. She was just a bore. She was Advocating just for those house. She elves. was just just parroting information that she had. She's she's like, oh, the house elves need need clothes. I don't know. Oh, it was stupid. Scarves and socks. I've been knitting them scarves and leaving them all over the place. And the house elves hated it. Yep, they didn't even like it. <laughs> they didn't like it. They had a sweet gig. They thought they she was like, annoying no, too. My cousin, my cousin works for the Black family. I don't want to go there. <laughs> and then they were probably like, I've seen what Dobby's been up to. He's homeless in Portland right now. Oh my God. Dobby the house elf, where was he? Where did he stay? But I think that she, at the very least, I know you guys are very anti-spew, all three of you. But I think that at the very least, she was trying to give them the option. Now, because of Harry was... Potter, Dobby went from house elf to homeless elf. And he loved it. It was his greatest time. He was so thankful. Dobby is a free elf. <laughs> Dobby has shoes now, sir. <laughs> Harry so Potter excited. has opened up Dobby's world to so many possibilities. Except he doesn't have any money. Except now when I, when I try to go to sleep at night, I have to find a bench, and fight off tall muggle men. <laughs> I had to do terrible things. Bad Dobby! <laughs> oh, my word. Poor Dobby. But let's talk more about Severus. I don't even remember what we were talking about. Well, overall, overall, I don't know if... I don't know. I can have compassion for Snape's character. Oh, I was but... saying Snape was a great man because he was actually innovative. He was much better of a of a much greater wizard than Hermione Granger was. Mm -hmm. And he actually created things. He actually innovated. And the man died at the age of 38. If he had been able to live as long of a life as Dumbledore, he would have rivaled Dumbledore's legacy. Guaranteed. The dude fought against the Dark Lord in two different wizarding wars. I mean, fought with him and then turned back. But hey, you know what? Italy turned against the axis of evil too. So you know we we've got we've got the thing going in too. 
Because they also saw it wasn't going to go well. They're like, Italy oh, saw it wasn't bad. going well, and they put Benito <laughs> Mussolini up on a rope. They put him on a clothesline like a 90-year-old Nona would. And for those of you who don't know, because you're uncultured or don't have grandparents that are Italian, Nona is Italian for grandmother. <laughs> and they put Benito the- Mussolini up on a clothesline. Fun fact, the fourth person to spit on Mussolini's dead corpse was Joey Tribbiani's Nina. That's right, his Nona. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to be like, the fourth person to spit on his corpse, Severus Snake. <laughs> I'm, on, I'm on a friend's hit right now. We're, we're anticipating the um, reunion show here next week. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's right. That's, that's right. our free plug-in for TBS and the Friends organization. I think that you cannot say that that Severus Snape is a mediocre person, a mediocre character. I think that is an asinine statement. I'd say, and it uh, it flies in the face of one of the most developed characters in the Potterverse, with not just deep complexities and different complex motivations. Uh, motivations so complex that we can only conjecture at what was going on in Snape's mind. But mm-hmm. I would say I would go against Justin's last point where he said that it was all a farce, that he didn't care about Harry because his Patronus revealed that it was only Lily that he cared about. Now, I would go with the opposite way, where Dumbledore asks, don't tell me after uh, after all this time that you've grown to care for the boy. He reveals his Patronus is a doe, and he is answering Dumbledore's question. Why does he pull out the Patronus? Because he's answering Dumbledore's question, and he cares about Harry because it's the last thing of Lily that's left in the world. The last thing of his love, the love that changed his life for the better. The last thing, and that's why deep down Severus Snape loves and loathes Harry simultaneously because he is the representation of all of the oppression that he faced as a child Mm -hmm. and growing up in school from James and the Marauders and the source of all of his hatred and the abuse that he dishes out onto his students, but is also the source, the also the last representation of the love that led him to be a self-sacrificing person. And we talked to Lizzie about in the beginning, what do good people do? And what do bad people do? What is intrinsically good? What is intrinsically bad? Self-sacrifice, intrinsically good. Especially something that we never see from people who are evil, who will always throw other people under the bus, but will never take the grenade for themselves. But what does Severus Snape do on multiple occasions? He chooses self-sacrifice. And not just because he's with Dumbledore, not just because of Lily Evans, because I've already said different examples that excluded them. And even when, in The Cursed Child, almost his wish is granted that the Potter line is ended. James Potter's legacy is gone and destroyed. He still, against his own best interest goes and willingly dies for the better of all of mankind. You mean to tell me that he didn't crush his enemies into dirt? (laughs) Grind their bones into dust! (laughs) (laughs) As we finish, because, I mean, we're we're on the hour mark here, but as we finish, I want to finish with what J.K. Rowling says about Severus Snape, about old Sev, which, by the way, great name once again. Great job, JK. And I don't mean just kidding. Sarcastically, I was saying 
great name. I mean, J.K. Rowling, you came up with a great name. No sarcasm, no undertones. There we go. All right. This is what she said in a tweet. And, you know, it's it's a tweet, so take it as you will. But this is the main way that J.K. Rowling connects with her fans. She says this. You can't make Snape a saint. He was vindictive and bullying. You can't make him a devil. He died saving the wizarding world. So, finishing off. Mm. Is Severus Snape a great man? Yes. Great wizard. Great man. Gave up everything for the wizarding world. Not just the wizarding world. I would say all of humanity, all mankind. Because Voldemort's whole regime was against all of mankind. Not just the wizarding world. So... Was he a good man? No, he's a great man, but he's also a gray man. Oh, man. Rob did it. He turned me over. <laughs> he did it. I am not convinced. He's so a gray funny. man, and that's not mediocre. That's not just neutral. He's complex. So complex that he's unable to be pinned down, even mm -hmm. in the middle of, you know, 12 years later, we're still talking about him. Yep. And was he good? Was he bad? What were his motivations exactly? He's a great character in the sense that he is so representative of the human spirit, the human condition, that we are too complex to just be labeled into one camp because every single one of us has some Severus Snape in them where we have issues in our past that need to be dealt with and we have choices that we can make to be selfish or selfless. And Severus Snape, when it came down to it, gave himself up to save the world. Mm -hmm. He had a lot of baggage. And he had a lot of scars that were probably more skin deep. That's right. But does that... Oh, wait, don't, don't, me, don't butt. Don't butt. Does that <laughs> allow me to forgive J.K. Rowling for having Harry name his son after him and not Rubius Hagrid, who is the crown jewel of the series? I would say I would say his name should have been Severus Remus. You knew or Remus wanted. Severus. You spat in our face and you farted in our gender direction. <laughs> Rob, I think you did it. I think you won me over. And you know what? Not just me, but I many. <laughs> I think it's safe to say that Lizzie is completely flipped on the issue as well. No, it's not. Oh, Turn it, I was hoping she was asleep. <laughs> Liz, you're still awake? <laughs> Barely. Still here. I was really hoping you were sleep sleeps. <laughs> I don't dislike Snape, but I agree with the statement. He is a complicated, complex person. He's got a lot of things going on that I think really put the odds against him. And kind of set him on that path of the dark side. I guess that's more Star Wars-ish. But like, just completely gone over. And fortunately, I guess you could say, because of his self-interest in Lily, that got him to see, like, by targeting Muggleborns and targeting, like, all these people that he typically wouldn't care for. But because there's one person that fits that demographic that he does care for, that made him be able to see past that, I don't want to say maybe hate he had towards them, but definitely like loathing or disregard. And I think Severus, oh, go ahead, Abby. I was just going to say like, he had a lot stacked against him and he could have kept going into that negative direction, but he did turn, but he still had those inner demons that like weighted him down. That mm -hmm. kind of gave him that very surly, sometimes nasty disposition. 
And I'm not saying at his core he's a bad dude, because he's not, you know. But he's definitely a complicated, complex individual that, as Justin said, his life is very tragic just through and through. And I think that's what makes a lot of people feel very strongly about him either way. Rob, that would have been your time to have used that serious black quote when he's like, the world isn't separated by good people and death eaters. But I, that's where I thought you were going to mm. go. But oh, oh, that would have been good. What oh. is that line? How does it go? Oh, that was the end of the quote? No, it? it keeps going. The world isn't split into good people and death eaters. We have all got both light and dark inside us. What matters, what matters is the power is the we choose to, we act, choose to on act on. That's right. That's who we that's really, who we really are. are. That's it. That's right. It's right. It is. <laughs> oh, God. Well, there you have it, folks. The tragic tale of a young boy destined for terrible things and darkness redeems himself at the last minute. <laughs> Severus Snape is a gray man. I can't believe it. Rob did it. I'd say I'm still in the same position I'm in. <laughs> I, I don't. I think I see him in a whole new light. Do I see him as the teacher who is hard on students? Yes. But why is he hard on students? Because he expects more out of them. Yep. I think Snape wants, to, wants his students to do better. I think he I think he wants his students to grow. I've been watching YouTube videos like the hour before we started. And it was just, you know, like white Gentiles talking about how abusive Snape uh, abuse <laughs> abuse. This was the 90s. I remember my preschool teacher in the 90s would grab me by the ear and by the cheek <laughs> and drag me across the classroom. Times were different. What preschool did you go to? <laughs> I won't say, but I will say that her name was Mrs. Harper. Mrs. Harper, that's right. Yeah, I kept Mrs. thinking Harper. of Nugent. No, no, no. Miss Nugent is a saint. A saint among people. <laughs> she is an angel among humans. She is the Lily Evans of the Carmen Ainsworth district. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember my teacher from preschool. It might have been Miss Harper. Yeah, Did you black two those years. out? Two I years, because everybody takes kindergarten twice. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know everybody takes kindergarten twice, right? That's from community. Oh, I thought it was from sunny in Philadelphia. No, it's from community it's, yeah, where Troy right. says that. He's like, no, I'm 20. Yeah, because everybody goes to kindergarten two years. <laughs> and I'll just stare at him like, ooh. <laughs> Man, I just keep looking over this serious black quote. And it is all about Severus Snape. At first, yeah. you think it's, it's about good, Umbridge. Right? Nope. You think Severus it's about Snape. Umbridge, but it's about Severus Snape. That's right. Serious black realized... I, and well, Remus Lupin really was the one who felt the most guilty for how they treated Snape mm -hmm. at school. Um, Sirius kind of tried to justify a lot of it, like, oh, you know, it was back and forth. But, he didn't you know, want to acknowledge it. Yeah, you know, he, he didn't just wanna, he didn't want to look into his own heart and his own mistakes. You know, if we're talking about people who really were underdeveloped, let's talk about Sirius Black. Sirius Black was basically just the toady guy, the toady uh, footstool bully from the Christmas story. <laughs> and James was uh, the guy with yellow teeth. 
He had yellow eyes. So healthy. God, yellow eyes. Oh, he had yellow eyes and teeth? (laughs) 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 But hey, he went to Azkaban for 12 years and he came out a little more... Exactly the same. Well... I think he did a little introspective. There is a, there is a true thing though that when people experience trauma, it freezes them emotionally. Yeah. That uh, people who experience trauma are frozen at the age they were when they experienced that trauma. Mm. Um, Which maybe that's why. That's a very really thing. Horrible ways of coping with his uh, with his emotions. That's why Lupin addresses it. He says, "You know, Harry is not James." Yeah. He's not James incarnate. He's a whole new person. And that's something that Sirius had a hard time with. I think he saw a lot of James in Harry. Yeah. I think that was both of their problems. That was Sirius's problems and Snape's problem was that they didn't allow Harry to be their own person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That they both looked at Harry and all they saw was James. Thanks, you guys, for joining us for this episode of the Slug Club podcast. If you like the conversation and you want to hear more, you can find the Slug Club podcast on Spotify or also on Apple Podcasts. If you want to join in on the conversation and give us ideas for new conversations, new podcast episodes, you can follow us on our social media at the Slug Club on Instagram or on Facebook. We'll see you guys later, but until then, mischief managed. The Slug Club podcast is a creative discussion between Harry Potter fans and has no affiliation whatsoever with Warner Brothers, J.K. Rowling, or any of their affiliates. All opinions expressed in the Slug Club podcast are completely our own. No house elves were harmed in the making of this episode.